Kansas voters are already filling out advanced ballots on a constitutional amendment to remove the right to access to abortion in Kansas. The election on August 2nd will be the first time voters anywhere will make their voices heard on reproductive rights following the U.S. Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. Thank you for joining us on the Kansas Reflector podcast today. I'm Sherman Smith, and I'm here with Kelly Summers, the director of the Kansas State Nurses Association, to talk about this issue. Kelly, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Sherman. I appreciate this. What are you hearing from nurses about this issue? I have a lot of conversations with nurses, and so I'll use yesterday as an example. Um, there's large concerns right now, not only about um, all of the issues that surround women's health, but also the lack of understanding of certain health procedures um, and health needs where this is going to fall under and that we are concerned that women aren't going to get the care that they need um, and that this will lead to some very long-term damage um, and not only physically but mentally too but it also can lead to death of the mother if the the amendment were to to pass that is it would give the legislature kind of a a blank check to write any kind of restriction that they may want and and so that i think is the concern that you're getting at that if there's a total ban uh could happen next year if, if the amendment passes. Correct, correct. And when we're looking at that um, and looking at how the bill reads, also we're looking at legislators who really don't have that medical background in women's health specifically, like we do with other physicians. We have a lot of nurses that are highly trained in women's health, and that isn't there when it comes to all of this decision-making on public policy, if this passes. We should say that uh, this is a divisive issue. I imagine that there are nurses on both sides of this amendment debate. There are. Most nurses that I talk about do not talk with, do not support this issue. There may be some that are not supportive of the choice of abortion. However, they're going to vote no on this specific bill because it's not taking in consideration the real issues regarding women's health and how um, abortion is defined and how it's used um, outside of choice. Let's start tackling those issues a, a little bit and, and maybe just start by talking about what the what is the nurse's role in abortion procedures in Kansas? The nurse's role, first and foremost, is education. Nurses are strongly knowledgeable about a variety of issues and those that are specific to women's health. The nurse does the education portion, not only uh, regarding abortion, but really putting the information out there, um, as with any medical decision, to offer the information that they can make their own choices on and how that they want to live their life with that decision. And we never are trying to influence this. We remain unbiased when we provide this education, uh, no matter what it is. And even in women's health, even if a woman was seeking abortion, that we still provide this education in an unbiased way without judging the person, and in this case, the woman, on the decision that is being made. Some nurses may not feel comfortable in this area, but they also have the right to choose to work in other areas of nursing where 
they may not support um, or feel comfortable in that position. Walk me through the the process here. If somebody is seeking uh, to to have an abortion to terminate her pregnancy or just considering that option, there's a 24-hour waiting period in Kansas. Um, There has to be kind of face-to-face conversations uh, and uh, a sonogram. I think the, the state law requires that she look at a sonogram. What's the, that process and, and how the nurse is involved in that? Well, first the nurse reviews all of the, when we submit a questionnaire, is to give us an opportunity to look at the background, um, why the person is seeking abortion, making sure that they are healthy enough to be in the position to make this choice. The next step, as, as you said, is that we have to confirm Um, and I don't personally work in an abortion clinic, but we have to confirm that the woman is pregnant. That is with a sonogram. The woman has to see the sonogram because this is the first of many opportunities that they will have to either continue the process or they could change their minds and say, no, this is not the choice I want to make and I am going to leave. If that's something that we want to continue um, and that individual, then we're gonna have to look at the education of the process. And we have to look at all of the systems within our body that will be affected by an abortion. Describe the process, use illustrations, so that people um, are not going into this blind once again, an opportunity for the person to ask questions, to either continue their choice or to decide to leave and change their minds within this process too. The other process, which may or may not be a nurse, but a lot of times it is, is counseling regarding this decision too. You know, what led to this decision? Why are you here today? What is it, what needs um, are not being met Or is this something that we have to move forward in? It also gives us an opportunity when we listen. um, We've talked before, a lot of conversation has been about uh, rape of women and termination of pregnancy too. This may have to be something that we refer on to and refer the woman for mental health services to, which is quite lacking in the state of Kansas. Um, I imagine you've had a number of these difficult conversations. Is is there anything from your experience that you could share with us of, of, you know, particular conversations that you've had? Yes, I can. Part of the reason, um, I think a lot of people are scared because they don't know what an abortion really is. Um, And then the other piece when it comes to this is not understanding the process. This is absolutely not something that somebody comes in and out of within 30 minutes or even an hour into this this procedure. And it is, there's a lot that entails in this. If a young person, if we're talking about that, then we're talking about this is going to require even now a parent's signature. And this has been there for many, many years and that the parent is involved in this process with the 10-year-old child. It's very difficult because sometimes we don't know 
who it is. Was it within the family? Was it outside the family that this abuse occurred? The access to health care for, for women and children in Kansas looks like. We know there are barriers along economic lines, geographic lines, I imagine. Uh, we know, too, that with abortion in particular, state law uh, doesn't allow that to be covered under insurance. So these are kind of out-of-pocket expenses for, for women and, and girls who need an abortion. Yes, and, and the expense is great. Um, we don't know when somebody goes in to have a child, um, if they've made that decision to have a child, um, you don't know the cost. It sometimes is not going to be as easy as walking in, giving birth, waiting two days, and leaving. You may have a C-section. You may have a baby that was born early with a lot of anomalies and is going to have to go in neonatal intensive care unit and require a high, high level of skill. The other piece is is that with access, if you have... um, a um, mother who is lucky enough to qualify for Medicaid, since we don't have Medicaid expansion in Kansas. Um, so if they were lucky enough to qualify for Medicaid, we still have to remember that under Medicaid, we still don't have enough physicians to mm-hmm. refer this female to get the care and the good care that they need um, throughout their pregnancy so that we're making sure the mother is healthy and that the baby is healthy if that's the decision that's being made. So we already are looking at multiple costs and we're looking at access. And we are a medically underserved state. And let's make that clear. We're not just talking about rural, we're talking about our urban areas too. Mm. Um, And a lot is falling on smaller clinics that uh, don't have, can only have a certain capacity to uh, serve the individuals. And and I always have to refer to women and and children on those. And then we look at uh, lack of access to food. And we know there's been a formula shortage. I'm not sure if anyone understands what these women and children were going through. I don't think we'll understand it for a long time, the effects. from this uh, and the lack of adequate nutrition. Um, we do have women and for children program, but they're, you know, they're limited. We have uh, had legislators, uh, legislature that has passed public policy that has limited um, service access that women can seek, whether it is financial or food assistance. Um, there are so many different pieces to this and if this law passed, where are we at looking at all of these issues that I've mentioned and more, looking at the public policies, and is there even a plan out there? I personally haven't heard of one. I've only heard of the public policy that has been passed that is not beneficial. You mentioned uh, efforts by the legislature to make it harder to access assistance for food, um, for child care supports lack of Medicaid expansion. I think there's some challenges with uh, early childhood education. Does it seem like there's a trend in public policy that is taking services away from from women and children, making it harder for them? Absolutely, absolutely. And, um, you know, when we look at this, um, we're not looking at 
it really is, it, it's access to healthcare right now. If, if we can't have the quality healthcare for everyone, and we also have to look at disparities um, and racial disparities too with access mm-hmm. um, in Kansas. And if we're not giving these options, then we're going to look at a state and country um, that we have so many uh, disabilities and deaths that are much higher than some third world countries. So what is it about this policy that's going to make it better? I don't see that. I think a lot of states would have the same conversation. I've had that conversation with my Missouri colleague and we have multiple concerns right now. And are we going to mimic Missouri policy? And the other thing is, is that we have to remember that, um, and some of, some of us may look at and think, um, you know, 20 years ago, we had all of these great resources out there for women and children that don't exist anymore. I can't refer somebody uh, and women to access food um, or clothing or something like that to several different organizations that existed 20 years ago that no longer exist. And the same is with public health. Public health has been cut, our, our health agencies have been cut, and can't offer the services that they would desperately love to offer. We hear the, the debate around abortion rights, access to abortion, uh, described as as choice, pro-choice, or the, the choice for women. What, with that and everything you just said in mind, what does choice look like in Kansas? I would always say that those of us within healthcare understand that choice regarding any medical decision exists, and people want choice regarding their medical treatments and and their medical outcomes. So if we're going to look at this and not look at this related to just women, if you're looking at somebody, let's say, that has the diagnosis of cancer, you're giving them the full education opportunity to make decisions about, do we want chemo? Do we want radiation, or maybe we even offer end-of-life choices. You know, people have the right to make decisions about how they're going to die, or do they want tube feedings? Do we want this? But for some reason, this choice around women's health has turned into a political issue that shouldn't exist. And, you know, respectfully, I understand the, the term abortion is, is a very hot-button issue. It always has been. It's been there since Roe versus Wade passed, um, but has become more and more and more of a political issue. And I just think a lot of information has been given to people who really don't understand um, how abortion is used, um, even in the care of a mother who has made the decision to uh, continue a birth. And Just to say that a, abortion can mean a lot of different things. Correct. Right? What, when you think about everything that that word in, encompasses, what comes to mind? Yeah. So there's different procedures, and this is what's happening in Missouri. So we should be afraid. We should be afraid for the woman right now because a lot of times people will talk about third term abortions. 
try to get rid of third-term abortions. But but, already illegal in Kansas. That, right. That doesn't right. change no matter what happens. Right. Yeah. And so, but we do have over, after 20 weeks of pregnancy, there can be something called stillbirth. And there are a couple ways to treat stillbirth. A lot of times uh, the baby's not viable, the baby's not alive, and we need to save, save the health of the mother. And so what happens is, and I'll give a very simple explanation, but we may give medications to advance the delivery so that um, the, the unviable fetus at that time does not put the mother at risk. However, there is procedures called a DNE, a dilation and evacuation, which is also used for the term abortion. And if that medication doesn't work, that DNE, that dilation and evacuation needs to be available to the woman. Um, otherwise, we don't know what's going to happen to the health of the woman, and it's going to lead to whenever it is that she can give birth to the um fetus that is no longer alive. And we should say that the Kansas Supreme Court ruling in 2019 was specific to this procedure. The legislature in 2015 passed a law banning DNA uh, in, entirely at a time when it was used on about 95% of the second term abortions. Correct. And so the, the Supreme Court ruling that found a, a right to terminate a pregnancy under the state constitution was a direct response to an attempt to ban this most basic, simple, not simple procedure, but it's the most commonly used procedure. It was at that time. Now I think about two-thirds of the abortions in Kansas uh, are through the, the pill, mifepristone. Correct. And uh, I think a relatively small percent overall are, are DNA, but as you say, it's a procedure that is necessary for, for the health of the mother in, in many cases. Right. And what you're seeing in Missouri, which is very scary, and, and I'm worried that Kansas is going to make this decision. And honestly, when you look at this ballot, you don't know whether it's there or not. Um, we're looking at ectopic pregnancies where a uh, cell has been fertilized and is in the fallopian tube of a woman instead of a uterus. Can't survive. Um, but also, if we can't do a surgical procedure to um, remove that fetus that either it's, it's basically, it's not going to survive. If it, and if we can't do that surgical procedure, a woman could bleed out and a woman will die from this if we can't provide this surgical procedure. And I know um, our fellow Missourians are very upset about this. The other thing um, is regarding miscarriages. A lot of people don't understand that when there is a miscarriage, sometimes all of the contents um, don't move out of the ba mm -hmm. the mother's body and requires a DNC to go in and evacuate everything that is there to save the life of the mother too. It, it has to happen. And what we've seen historically um, and it's a choice by the hospitals, but, you know, there may be um, hospitals that refuse to do DNCs, and, and that exists right now, too. And when we're putting our doctors and nurses in positions, and I don't want to speak for the doctors, but when we're putting people in positions 
to make choices that uh, for delivery of care and they don't know whether it's going to fall under something that could be illegal, what do you do within this situation? Are we supposed to let the mother die? Um, are we supposed to wait and reach out to the legislature and to see what they decide and hope the mother survives in the meantime? And are we reaching out to people who don't understand this whole medical piece regarding this? We are there. We are not. We as nurses are there to save lives. We are not there to cause unnecessary deaths. There are not many doctors in the legislature, no nurses that I'm aware of. None. It, it has to be frustrating that the policymakers who are making laws, decisions, policies about healthcare in Kansas uh, are not particularly knowledgeable about healthcare. It is frustrating, and, and as you understand, because you cover the Capitol too, is that we will submit written testimony, but we don't know if that's being read or not. And how do I, as a nurse, go in and I'm given two to three minutes of testimony and explain everything there is to know about this whole medical piece and, and doing a good job of it? I can't do a good job providing that information that needs to be provided. You look around the room sometimes, half the people are on their, their phone or taking notes on the side that may have nothing to do with the, the hearing itself. I think uh, a lot of these hearings anymore are kind of preordained where the, you don't even have one side able to speak and present their point of view. Uh, and so we see legislative hearings where five people who support a bill are lined up to testify. The opponents can file a piece of paper on the website that nobody will ever look at, and it's voted on very quickly. Correct. And, and our procedures in Kansas, and I wish this could change, um, but you know, we have a bill that's introduced and, and we have, we can have 24 hours after that bill is introduced where we have to deliver, um, written, poly, you know, written support or, or, or opposition regarding a bill. So we've had to break down this bill in 24 hours, written our testimony and said whether we get, we'll give verbal or not. And some require copies of that. So we also have to get the copies and get them up to the Capitol too. So where is it in this process that our Kansans are given the opportunity to provide testimony also? And, and I agree, you know, who, you know, do legislators have time to read all of these pieces also? Um, and do the people within our state also have a right to have do they have the opportunities to have the meetings that they would like to have to discuss these issues too? And I honestly, as a person going up there and delivering testimony, I want to hear what people have to say. Mm. I am the leader of the Kansas State Nurses Association as director, but I come and share voices of the nurses. This isn't my voice. This is the voice of the nurses. But if I don't have the opportunity to live, to listen to the people who we are providing the care to, then it's not benefiting any of us in healthcare and anybody in the policy decisions. The vote on the constitutional amendment happens August 2nd. And if the amendment is defeated, then existing restrictions stay in place. Some of those could be challenged under the, the Kansas Supreme Court ruling, but... 
for the most part, the restrictions stay in place and women have a constitutional right to abortion in Kansas. I'm, I'm curious uh, if you can look into your crystal ball, though, and see okay. what happens if, if this amendment passes. What does the future look like for women and children in Kansas? Well, we discussed that there's limited access to care. Um, we need mental health services. We need access to food. We need access to financial assistance, which, you know, we know the food and financial assistance continues to be cut year after year after year. And um, we are not supporting a lot of organizations. We're not, you know, our lawmakers are not supporting public health that we need to be doing on a lot of different issues right now, too. Um, and we're, we're not supporting, uh, you know, daycare for people, for women to go on to have a job. And, and I would honestly say that... Um, we're not in a position, we don't even have policy out there to support a, a woman if they wanted to go back to college to receive better education to go out and be able to seek a better job right now, too. We need nurses. We desperately need nurses. But where are the services out there to offer women to be able to continue their education to have the access to daycare, to have the access to financial means, to seek that education so that we could be doing much better regarding healthcare in our state too. Obviously, I could go on and on about a lot of the policy and, and the concern is over Medicaid expansion too, and that we don't have um, healthcare coverage for a lot of people in Kansas. I don't know what we're gonna do. And I think that the health disparities will continue and get worse. And I, I worry about uh, whether we're going to actually continue where the death of a mother um, increases and the death of a baby. I think we're gonna have to leave it on that bleak note. I appreciate you joining us on the, the podcast and talking about this today. I, I appreciate it, Sherman, and just the opportunity to be here today to really speak on the important issues surrounding um, this piece. And I hope that everyone continues to have these discussions and seek out quality information. Thank you.